a second. We'll take a, uh, take a second, let everybody get there, and then we'll pray and get going. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we bless you this evening. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in the house of God. Thank you for the Spirit of God working. Lord, thank you for uh, just the, the, the presence, Lord, that we felt this morning and, Lord, tonight as we've come into this house. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to draw near to you. I pray, Lord, for that anointing this evening. As we open up the Word of God, we pray for the Holy Spirit to work in our midst. Lord, you know our situation. You know what we're going through. And Lord, we ask that you would work in us this night, that you would do a work of the Holy Spirit in us. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I ask tonight for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing that we can hear and receive what the Spirit is speaking to us tonight. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, amen, amen. You know, one of my favorite things about Jesus is that, you know, he's a bridge. How many of you know Jesus is a bridge? Amen. He takes us, he takes us from where we were in our past, and he brings us into a new place. Amen. He's a bridge. And, you know, one of the things about the Lord is he, some, somebody, you know, characterizes he's, he's a bridge over troubled waters. You know, and whenever you're going with the Lord, he'll take you over those troubled waters. And sometimes in life, if we don't, you know, watch out, one of the things that we can do is we can be walking on that bridge, but we can look over the bridge at those troubled waters, and we can let our hearts begin to fear. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You let your heart begin to fear, and you can look at the, you can look at the troubled waters down below the bridge. Now, you're safe and secure on the bridge, but when you look over that bridge and you look at those troubled waters, your heart begins to get fearful, doesn't it? You begin to get moved by fear, and the, the temporal issues of life become so large that you begin to get frozen, and you begin to shrink back from faith, and you begin to, to draw back from the Lord even. And one of the things that I want to start out in this message was I want you to know that, that God wants you to have a strong hope in troubled times. God wants you to have a strong hope in troubled times. Now, you're not exempt from troubled times. I hate to tell you. Amen. Not exempt from troubled times, but you also have the promise of the helper in your troubled times, and that makes all the difference. So when we go through our troubled times, some some of us go through it, and, and, and we forget and we neglect that there's a comforter, there's a helper, there's the Holy Spirit within that will guide us through these troubled times. Now, I believe that America and, and the whole world even is headed for uh, some some dark times. But I also know that as long as God's in the world, there's hope and there's light and there's grace and there's help for an hour of need and that God's never neglected his children. He's never forgotten his children and he's never been one to let one of his children down. Amen. Now here in this passage in Matthew chapter 11, I want to show you this in verse number 28. It's a pretty famous passage we're going to start out with, but I want you to see that there's a promise here. Jesus says in verse number 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
you know, the Lord makes a promise here that no matter what you're going through, no matter what's going on in your life, when you get weighed down by the issues of life and you get overburdened and, and things begin to get heavy, not only in life, but how many of you know you can have a heavy heart? Things can weigh you down in your heart. Things can weigh your mind down. And, and whenever you start getting weighed down in your heart, it begins to manifest even in your body. You, it, it manifests in your countenance. Amen? Somebody will tell you about the joy of the Lord and you'll just look at them like they got you know, five heads, because you got a heavy heart. Amen? Now, what the Lord says here is, come to me. Look at that in verse 28. Come to me, all you that, that labor and are heavy laden. That's a heavy burden. I'll give you rest. I want to tell you that if we, as the children of God, aren't coming to Jesus, we're not going to have rest for our souls. You know, you can come to a lot of people. You can write a letter to Donald Trump or Joe Biden. You can go visit the best counselors in the world, and you can go talk to the man with the plan. Amen. You can write somebody a letter and go talk to the man with the plan. But you'll never find rest for your soul until you humble yourself before Jesus. There is something that God will withhold from you. It will be inescapable. You will not be able to, to reach out and grab hold of that rest that you truly desire until you stop going to men, until you stop going to schemes of men, until you stop running and planning and going here and going there and trying to figure everything out on your own, until you humble yourself and come to Jesus You'll never find rest for your soul. And I want you to know, sometimes we think about rest for our soul and we think about taking a nap. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about uh, protection from the demonic oppression. He's talking about protecting you from the attacks of the enemy, inflicting upon you fear and paranoia. The, the enemy inflicting upon you the damage and, and, and condemning you and rebuking you and pushing you away from God. God said, come here. I'm going to give you rest from all those attacks. I'm going to bring you under the shelter of my arms. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to help you through this time. And God said, the, the key to this thing, though, is that you've got to come unto Jesus. You know, and one of the hardest things for us is whenever we go through a troubled time is to realize, you know, God hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forsaken us. In fact, he's made a way for us. He said, just come to me and I'll give you rest. Amen. Rest for our souls is one of the promises of God. How many of you know that God can't lie? How many of you know that God can't lie? Amen. He's not a man that he should lie. God will not lie, and it doesn't matter how high your problems are. It doesn't matter how raging the troubled waters are. It doesn't matter how much the enemy has inflicted damage upon your heart and your mind and your soul. If you'll make your way to Jesus, you'll find rest for your soul. The Lord is calling you to this because in the day and hour that we live in right now, so many people are being worn out. They're being worn out by the enemy. They're being condemned left and right. The, the, the devil in the book of Revelation is called the accuser of the brethren. He will accuse you day and night before God. He will, he will tell you you didn't pray enough. He'll tell you you didn't fast enough. He'll tell you you didn't give enough. He'll tell you you didn't do enough. He'll tell you 
you aren't enough. He'll tell you you don't go to church enough. He'll tell you you don't look good enough. He'll tell you you don't love enough. But the, the reality is, is Jesus did enough to purchase you and give you rest. It is not about what you do enough. It's about what Jesus did enough. And that's why Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest because he did enough for you. Now, I don't know what your problem is, and I don't know what your troubled waters are, but I know that Jesus did enough to calm the waters. But what he's calling upon you to do is to come to him. Now, I'm talking to you tonight about hope. The devil don't want you to have hope. The the devil don't want you to have hope. He sure don't want you to have hope in in God. Now, the book of Proverbs tells us over in, I believe it's Proverbs 24, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. How many of you ever hoped in somebody that let you down? Amen. How many, you know, sometimes they used to say that a man was as good as his word, but that's not true anymore. Amen. People will tell you all kinds of stuff to your face and then they won't do it. Amen. But the, the word of God says that hope deferred, that means delayed, turned back, denied. Hope denied will make the heart sick. But can I tell you something? Nobody's ever been deferred that puts their hope in God. God is faithful. And I want to tell you tonight, if we've ever gotten into a place to where we've given up. Now, I want to tell you, God gave me this message for a specific reason, and I don't know why. Sometimes I don't know why the Lord lays these messages out. But I know that that there's a reason for it. I know there's a reason for it. And if you've hoped... And you've been let down. It may be because you've hoped in something temporal. You've not put your hope in God. And God is calling you to himself this very night. God wants you. He loves you. He sought you and bought you on the cross. And he's telling you to come to him and only him. And then and only then will you find rest for your soul. God is telling you to stop running. God is telling you to stop hiding. God is telling you to stop the mirage and to let let down everything else and to come to him. And then and only then will you find rest for your soul. God loves you and he is a helper for your time of trouble. Amen. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter six. Let me show you something over here in Hebrews chapter number six. This is a very important part of this message. I I told you in, in over in Proverbs that the word of God says hope deferred makes the heart sick. I've talked to, you know, I, I counsel with people and I talk to people. I, I try to, uh, you know, talk to as many people as I can about the Lord. And you would be astonished about how many people have a sick heart. They just have not allowed God to do a work of healing in their life. And whenever we have a, a heart that hasn't been truly made whole by Jesus, you know, one of the things that, that we'll bring into this uh, walk with God is we'll bring uncertainty and condemnation. And we'll be on one day and off another day. But God wants to, God wants to show you something here this evening. Hebrews 6, look with me in verse number 16. It says, For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. 
that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast in which entereth in to that within the veil. I'm going to stop right there for just a second, but what I want you to see is that God promised two immutable ways. He promised and he made an oath to you that if you would just come to him, you would find rest. He made a promise and an oath to you that if you would come to him, you would inherit eternal life. He made a promise and an oath to you that if you would come to Jesus, you would get to the Father. He made a promise and an oath to you that he would never leave you and never forsake you. He made an oath and a promise to you that he would be with you always, even until the end of the world. God's promise to you, he made it a twofold immutable thing so that you know God can't lie. Amen. God can't lie. And not only can he not lie, but he overabundantly showed you not only by a promise, but he put an oath with it that what he told you is true. Amen. Now, he tells you here what it is. He said that um, in verse number 18, he said that by these two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. The word consolation means comfort. It means relief. It means alleviation of misery. How many of you have been made miserable by the devil? How many of you have been made miserable by the devil? Amen? You know... My mom used to say sometimes, you made your bed, lie in it. How many of y'all heard that phrase before? You made your bed, lie in it. Sometimes we get ourselves in a bond and a a, a parent will tell you, well, you, you did it. But you know, God's a little bit different. He said, if you'll come to me, you'll get hope. There's alleviation from misery at the feet of Jesus. This alleviation of misery, this strong consolation that he's talking about here, he said that it becomes a hope and it becomes an anchor for the soul. Now, I don't know if you know a lot about anchors, but they're very powerful. I, I, I did a study on an anchor before. I never knew why they were in the shape they were. But they said the reason that an anchor is shaped the way that it is is because whenever it goes down into the, into the bed of, of the ocean, that thing goes down into the ground. And when the boat begins to drift, it'll actually dig deeper. The more the boat pulls against it, the deeper the anchor gets into the bedrock of the sea. It's an amazing design, and and that's what God is telling you, that when the troubled waters come, if you have this strong consolation that if you can get to Jesus, you'll find rest for your soul, that if you can get to Jesus, not only will you have life, but you'll have it more abundantly. He said that this is it becomes a strong consolation, and it anchors you into the bedrock of Jesus Christ. And the more that you have this hope in him, the more that the world pulls against you, the deeper your roots get 
the deeper your roots get. It's an amazing transfer that God does, and it's a promise that he has that if you'll put your hope in Jesus, you'll have an anchor that'll tie you and tether you to the rock of ages. Then just like Jesus said over in the book of Matthew chapter 7, that the wind and the waves may crash down upon you, but if your house is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ, no matter how much it howls against you, your house will stand when it's built on the rock of Jesus. That's the anchor that God gives us as believers. And some of us in this church, you need to know and understand something very important. You will never have an alleviation of misery until you find your hope in Jesus alone. Stop hoping in people. Stop hoping in places. Stop hoping in positions. Stop hoping in politicians. And turn to Jesus Christ, who is the anchor of our soul. Until we do that, we will have no anchor. You'll be turning to this and that and everything else. You'll be looking for help from people that can't give it to you. You'll be looking for rest from things that cannot give you rest. Until you come to Jesus alone, you'll be in constant misery. The word strong consolation, I I, I love it. And it says it's an alleviation of misery. How powerful is that? You know, sometimes sin will cause misery in our life. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? A, a, a little bit of leaven leavens what? The whole lump. And, and, and sin produces what? Death. Sin produces death. It'll destroy relationships. It'll destroy innocence. It'll destroy your mind. It'll destroy your body. Sin corrupts and it corrupts in a deadly manner. It brings misery. You, you can't try sin. Sin will produce death every time. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to of the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to what? Reap of the Spirit life, everlasting life. Now, not only does sin bring misery into our life, but also the devil. Doesn't he taunt you? Amen? Lies, accusations, the tauntings. The oppressions, the enemy brings misery. But here I want you to see that this hope is a strong consolation against those things. I want you to see that strong consolation means the alleviation of misery. That if you'll just say no to the devil and no to the accusations and no to sin and go to Jesus, knowing that if you can get to Jesus, everything's going to be all right. Amen. I I, I always think about the woman with that issue of blood that ran to Jesus and she knew if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she was going to be made whole. And I mean, she risked life and limb to get to the feet of Jesus. She pushed people out the way. And the reality is, if they knew that she had an issue of blood and she was in public, she was risking being stoned to death. And she went anyway. She knew if I, if I stay here, I'm going to die. Amen? How many of you have been in that place before? When the enemy puts you down in the corner and begins to lay those accusations upon you and you begin to get depressed and you begin to get in a dark place and you begin to get hopeless and hope fades and you become miserable and misery loves company and so the devil brings more demons and you, they begin to lie to you and you just get into this place where you're frozen in fear and in a hopeless dark place. 
And then that woman, she said, you know what? If I stay here, I'm going to die. But I heard if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And in that moment, she said, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to go to him. And I'm going to lay down everything to get to the hem of his garment. I know if I can touch him, I'll be made whole. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you can get to the hem of the garment of Jesus, if you can reach out and touch that hem of his garment, you'll be made whole. Amen. I tell you what, you may be only hanging on by a thread, but make sure that thread's the hem of the garment of Jesus. Amen? That's the thread to hold on to. Amen? But a lot of people, they don't have this strong consolation. They don't have this alleviation of misery because their hope is not in Jesus. Their hope is they don't have that anchor for the soul because they don't have that hope. Now, I want to point something out to you it, just briefly in this passage. In verse number 18, It says that we have a strong consolation in the middle of that verse. It says, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Now, this laying hold, this refuge in the Old Testament, if you go back into Numbers uh, chapter 34, go, go back into Numbers 34, one of the things that you'll find is that whenever God set up the nation of Israel, he designed cities of refuge. You familiar? You remember those? The cities of refuge. And he set up a city of refuge ever so often. And, you know, back in the Old Testament, one of the laws was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Amen. God set up the city of refuge because if you happen to, um, I think the law was, you know, if you're using a shovel and, and the head of it comes off and it hits somebody and kills them, but you didn't mean to. They legally could kill you, even though you didn't mean it. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. They legally could, even though you didn't mean it. They legally could kill you. So God set up these cities of refuge for people that did things without really knowing about it. And if they could get to the city of refuge, they would find rest for their souls. The the aggressor could not enter into that city of refuge and get them. All they had to do whenever they messed up and they got in trouble and they got in a bind, if they would just leave town, they had to leave everything they knew, they had to leave their job, they had to leave their friends, they had to leave their fun times, they had to leave their old way of life, and they left everything and they went to that city of refuge. And if they could get in that city, they would be protected from the aggressor. They would be protected from the accuser. They would be protected from the enemy. And and all they had to do is get to that city of refuge. Well, that is an allusion to Jesus. Jesus is the city of refuge for us. We've we've failed. We've, We've sinned. We've fallen short of the standard of God. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark at some point. And so what God is teaching us here is you're supposed to leave those things and run to the city of refuge. Now, I want to tell you something about the city of refuge. Whenever somebody had to flee uh, their old life, and I'm saying it like this for a reason, okay? Whenever somebody had to leave their old life and run to the city of refuge, they had to stay within the city walls. If they got caught outside the city walls, the enemy had every right to access them and kill them. 
Now, I want you to think about this in spiritual terms. God's called you to run to the city of refuge. Jesus is the city of refuge. But if you ever get outside the city limits, if you ever get outside the city walls of Jesus, then the enemy has now an avenue to access you. The enemy now has a right to you, a claim to you, because you left the city of refuge. But if you'll, if you'll just humble yourself and stay inside that city of refuge, the enemy cannot cross that boundary. There's a boundary that God puts on the life of the child of God. It's the blood of Jesus. And when the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life, the enemy cannot cross that boundary. But if you get outside that city, you open yourself up. Amen? Now here's the other part about the city of refuge I want you to know about. This is just a little bit of groundwork I want you to know about. One other part, the city of refuge, the, the, the person that, that, that did wrong, that sinned, or, you know, and they had to run to the city of refuge, they had to stay in there, but here's the deal. They could, if there was a change in the high priest, then they, everything was done away with. So they had to stay in that city until there was a change in the priesthood. Now I want you to think about something. Jesus is that the, the city of refuge is a type of Jesus. Jesus fulfills that type. Amen? Now, how many of you know that Jesus is your high priest? He's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, Jesus has been given an everlasting priesthood, hasn't he? So there's never going to be another change in the priesthood. So that means what God is showing you is you're going to this city of refuge called Jesus and God is calling you to hope and know for a certainty that if you can get in this city, you'll be protected from every other thing. And that, that while there is a high priest named Jesus, you're safe and that that high priest will never step off the job. That high priest will never step off the job. So you'll never have to worry about the enemy coming after you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's some good news right there. That's some good news right there. But, but the reality is, is you've got to let go of the old life. You've got to let go of the old ways. You've got to, you, you can't go back and get your clothes out of your, your dresser drawer. You, you, you can't go back and, 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 and make sure that you put something up. When, when you realize that you've sinned and you realize that you've messed up and you realize that you've fallen short of the glory of God, you have to, at that time, drop everything and run to the city of refuge. Knowing that that's where your hope is. That if you can get to that city of refuge, you'll be protected from the enemy. What a powerful concept it is. What a powerful concept it is. The city of refuge um, will protect you from the avenger. But if you ever get outside that, you have no protection. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about what our hope and our consolation is. Uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 2 for a second. Ephesians chapter number 2. Let me show you something over here. Some of us in this place, we need to know and understand what exactly we've come into. It says in Ephesians chapter number 2, we're going to begin in verse number 11 through 13. It says, Wherefore remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time 
You were without Christ. How many of you remember being without Christ? It says, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having, there's your word, no hope. Having no hope and without God in the world. But now, somebody say, but now. But now in Christ Jesus, that's your city of refuge, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. What an awesome promise, but I want you to see that there was a time in your life when you were outside the promises of God. You were an alien to Israel. You were not part of the kingdom of God. But if you are today part of the kingdom of God, it is only because you came near by the blood of Christ. You can't get... You can't get close to God in any other way. The only way that somebody can get close to God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the reason that so many people don't have hope in the world is because they're putting their hope in temporal things that always make the heart sick. As long as our hope is in something that is temporal, it will always be delayed and it will soon be denied. But when our hope is in Jesus... When our hope is in Jesus, if we'll come to that place and we'll remember this reality, you know what? God doesn't grant you access because the way you smile. God doesn't grant you access because the way that, that you know, your hair is made today. God doesn't grant you access because you put in more in the offering than somebody else. God doesn't grant you access because for the last five years you've been doing pretty good. God doesn't grant you access because, you know what, it's been about three years and you've done better than most. God doesn't grant you access to the promises of God because of those things. If you have access to Jesus, if you have access to the promises of God, if you now are in covenant with God, it's because of one thing. You've come to God empty-handed and you've, been, you've come nigh by the blood of Christ. I want you to know that that reality, every one of us has to walk. Every one of us has to come to God the same way or we're not coming to God. But I, and, and I believe the reason that God has this message going out is because some people are doubting the promise of God in their life. Some people are doubting the blessing of God on their life. Some people are doubting the, the, the security that they have in Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that every single one of us have to humble ourselves and draw near to God only one way, through the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen? This, this becomes an anchor because I didn't earn my salvation. This becomes an anchor because I didn't work for my salvation. It becomes hope for me because I know that Jesus sought me and bought me with his own blood. Now, he said, whosoever will come, didn't he? He doesn't force us to come, but he invites us to come. And anyone that's willing to come, just like the city of refuge. God made that city of refuge, but he didn't make anybody run to it when they messed up. God made the city of refuge available. It didn't matter who you were or what you did. It didn't matter what your background was. It didn't matter what your education level was. If you messed up, God made access to you to come to the city of refuge. And if you would get in his city, he would protect you. But if you got out of the city, you were on your own. 
And the reality is, is, is so many believers and so many times in our life, the reason why we have so much misery and why we have so much mistakes and why we have so much oppression of the enemy going on is because we're not in the city of refuge. We're not in the city of refuge. I want to tell you tonight that God wants you to put your hopes in him. God wants you to put your hope in him. And you might say, well, well, you know, in, in my mind, I know that Jesus is the city of refuge. That's true. And a lot of people, if you listen to Sunday school, you know it in your mind. But that doesn't mean you've done it in your heart. That doesn't mean that Jesus is the hope of your heart. And until Jesus is the hope of your heart, you're missing that anchor for the soul. This is a reality that's not intellectual. It's something that God does on the inside through the transforming power of God. Um, I want to show you a, a, a couple of other passages um, to, to build this out. Uh, turn with me to Colossians 1:27. Colossians 1:27. This hope that we're talking about tonight is something that God does on the inside. It's not an in intellectual property. It's not something that you can theorize and intellectualize and, 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 and divulge. But you can do, but you're going to miss it if you don't believe for it, if you don't have this reality in your life. In Colossians chapter 1, look at verse number 27. It says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. I want you to see this, that the, the thing that God wants you to see is that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Think about that. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The, the, the hope that becomes that anchor for the soul, that hope that becomes the anchor of the soul is a living Christ inside of you. It's not something that you've theorized. It's not something you've heard about. It's not something that you filled in the blank on a questionnaire about. It's not something you just went uh-huh to. It is a living reality of Jesus on the inside. If you'll come to that place where you draw near to God by the blood of Jesus, putting your hope only in him, then you'll find this reality, Christ in you. That's where our hope is. See, our hope is not in a dry, dusty book. Our hope is not in stories from long ago our hope is not in something that someone else believed but we have a living hope a living faith and a living Christ if you have a living Christ inside of you you have hope amen you have hope but if you don't have Jesus alive on the inside then you don't have hope you're looking to people you're looking to places you're looking to positions and politicians until you come to that place to where Jesus in you is the reality of the hope that you seek for. You know, the, the, the thing is, they, they often have said this, but there's a, they say that there's a God-shaped hole in every heart. And you'll never be satisfied until God fills that hole. You'll never be satisfied until God fills that hole. And some of us, we say, you know, I, I remember hearing that when I was a kid. But how many of you know that sometimes as you travel through life, there begins to get holes, new holes develop? Pains letdowns, life, amen. 
Sometimes we get new wounds. Amen. I don't know anybody that don't have new wounds. So if you live long enough, you're going to have some kind of traumatic situation happen to you. And your, your traumatic situation matters to God. God has provided for you healing. God has provided for you hope. God has provided for you deliverance. But in order for you to ascertain that, in order for you to alleviate yourself of that misery, you've got to come afresh to that city of refuge called Jesus. And until you come to that place, until you come to that city of refuge called Jesus, you'll never have that anchor. You know, one of the things that I think about as as, as I was studying this, the anchor of the soul, you know, a lot of times people are so flaky. How many of you know flaky people? Amen. We know flaky people. They're, they're, uh, one, one of my pastor friends, that used to say people would blow in, blow up, and blow out of church. And you know, the people blow in, blow up, and blow out. They, they, they're flaky. The reason the people are flaky is because they're not anchored in Christ. They're anchored in something else. They're anchored in good times. They're anchored in good money. They're anchored in good relationships. They might be anchored in good coffee. They might be anchored in good whatever. But until we come to that place to where our anchor is Christ, until we come to that place where our anchor is Christ, we're going to be flaky. We're going to leave when things don't go the way that we think. And I don't, I'm not talking about a church. I'm talking about your faith. God don't want you to quit. God don't want you to quit. And, and the preservative to that is Christ in you. The preservative to you not quitting is Christ in you. If you have Christ in you, you have the hope of glory, and you're not going to turn around. But until you get to that position, you're, you're always going to be a, a, a flaky person. And like I said, the reason that people are flaky is because they're focused on temporal things. Let me show you that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 to 18. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18 tonight. This is the reason why many people miss the, the, the promises of God. The Bible tells us in another chapter in the same book that all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen. Not some of them, but all of them. And the reason why so many people miss the promises of God and they miss the, the blessings of God and, and, and they become flaky in their walk with God is because they don't have that anchor of the promises of of God. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number uh, 16 here, it says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I want you to listen to something. The, the, the only way that your inward man can be renewed is that you come daily to the source of renewal. It's not a seasonal source of renewal. It's not a a, a once in a lifetime source of renewal. You need to see that it says there's a renewal that has to take place literally day by day. Now we're not saying you get saved every day. That's not what we're saying. We're saying you get renewed day by day. That inward man in you, if that inward man is not getting renewed at the feet of Jesus day by day, your hope is going to get put in something else. You've got to say, look, self, our hope's in Jesus. Amen. 
I'm not looking to the left and I'm not looking to the right. I'm going to hold steadfast on Jesus Christ alone. And whenever we start getting outside of that, we're leaving the city of refuge. And when we leave that city of refuge, that's when we begin to get corrupted and we no longer are renewed in our innermost being. And when you're not renewed in your innermost being, I just got to tell you something. You're not a fun Christian to be around. If you're not being renewed in your innermost man, you're not, you don't have the joy of the Lord. You don't have the fire of God. You don't have the spirit. You don't have the zeal of the Holy Ghost in you. When somebody's not being renewed by the Spirit of God day by day, you can tell them till the cows come home, clap a little, come on, get a, get a little excited. God is moving. If they don't care. They don't care. Because that inner, that inner man is not being renewed. And until we come to that place where we have that inner man renewed, I want you to know that if you'll come to Jesus, all who are weary and heavy laden, he'll give you rest. He'll take you in. He'll receive you to that city of refuge. He'll become an anchor for your soul, and he'll renew you day by day. But if you stop coming in, if you get outside that city of refuge, if you stop drawing now by the blood of Christ, if you withhold yourself from that secret place, if you stop praying and you stop drawing near to God, what you'll find is instead of being renewed day by day, you get colder day by day. And a cold Christian is no fun to be around. That's, so, that, that's the kind of person that's always causing problems. Because they don't have God on the inside, they got to fill it with something else. Now, it says here that, that um, the inner man is renewed day by day. I want you to remember that. I, I want you to know that that's the call of God on your life is to have continual fire. How many of you know that God's a consuming fire? It doesn't say God consumed by fire. It says God's a consuming fire. It's Hebrews 13, verse 8. God's a consuming fire. And what I want you to see, listen, is that the consuming fire ever consumes. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was ever a consuming fire, he is a consuming fire today. And he's calling on you to be renewed by that consuming fire day by day. Look at this next verse. Sarah says, for your... Um, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want to tell you something on, on this passage here, our light affliction should drive us to Jesus. And in that respect, what Paul's teaching us here is that our light affliction works for us a more exceeding thing. You see, that light affliction, when I have these afflictions that cause me to run to my city of refuge, it's working for me a good thing. It's teaching me that I need Jesus. It's teaching me that I need the Savior. It's teaching me that I need to go to that city of refuge. So these light afflictions work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. One of the things that we see in this passage is that God's calling on us to not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. 
What does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? He means for you to not get fixed by the circumstances of life, but by the Savior of life. He's calling on you to not look at the way things look in the natural, but to believe in the supernatural. He's calling on you to let go of those things that weigh you down in the natural and come to him in a supernatural way. See, that's why Jesus said to come to him and he'll give you rest. You've got to come to a supernatural God. Everything else, you're holding on to natural things. When you're holding on to these burdens from the natural world, when you're holding on to these burdens of the temporal world, it's keeping you back from the eternal reward that God has for you. You've got to to make a determination in your mind. I believe right now, tonight, God's calling on you to make this determination to let go of temporal burdens, to let go of temporal afflictions, to let go of these things and grab hold of that supernatural God. Come to him. And one of the things that God promises you is that he'll give you rest. He'll give you rest. If you need rest for your soul, I want to tell you about the city of refuge named Jesus. Jesus has never shut the door on anyone that comes by the blood. Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man can come to the Father but by him. By him. The only way that you can come to God is by him. And the only way that you can do that is to trust the work that he did on Calvary. And God's calling on us tonight to come to the city of refuge. And he's, he, he said that he will welcome you in. Come to him and he will give you rest. He won't gripe at you. He won't complain at you. He won't tell you what took so long. He won't tell you I told you so. He, he won't nana boo boo you. He, he won't shut the door on you. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I want to tell you that's what God's looking for tonight is to give rest to his people, to give rest to his children, to protect you from the to to protect you from the enemy, the accusations, the lies, the tormenting, to protect you from those things that have afflicted you tonight. If God's dealing with you tonight, I want to pray with you before we open up our altars.